0: We're here with Daniel Burris. He is the author of The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Right off the bat, I want to say congratulations. You are a New York Times best-selling author, a Wall Street Journal best-selling author. This is your seventh book. Congratulations, a pretty incredible accomplishment, putting it mildly.
1: Yeah, well, thank you again.
0: Tell us a little bit about your expertise. For those of us who aren't you know, accustomed to what you do and what you specialize in in your background, you call yourself a futurist. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, we're going to spend the rest of our life in the future. Maybe we should think about that just a little bit.
0: Okay. And it
1: seems to be so unpredictable. We live in a world of uncertainty. What's going to happen with home values? What's going to happen with the stock market? What's going to happen with the next election? Mm-hmm. But uncertainty doesn't empower us. A strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. It keeps you from moving forward in a bold way. On the other hand, strategy based on certainty Mm -hmm. gives you the confidence to make a bold move. So really what I've developed over the years and over the decades actually is a way to find certainty in an uncertain world because that allows you to innovate and make bold moves with the confidence certainty provides.
0: So, finding certainty in an uncertain world sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron.
1: It's just, it really does, doesn't <laughs> if it? If I it can does. be honest.
0: Uh, yes, How but, does that work, Daniel?
1: Well, first of all, uh, what will happen after summer? Huh? Oh, are you certain?
0: Yes. Sure. And
1: the stock market, when it's going down, will go down forever. No, it will go back up again. Okay. Uh, There are sales cycles, business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles. There's over 500 cycles that are repeatable. In other words, you can see some of the future. Economists use that to predict the future. However, they've been increasingly wrong lately. And why is that? That's because they're missing the other kind of change, which used to be so slow, it didn't matter. But today, it's moving at a rapid pace. I would call that Uh, a permanent slash linear change. In other words, once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to the dumb phone. That's not a cycle. That gives you predictable problems Mm -hmm. that you can pre-solve or just have them, and it gives you predictable opportunities. So what I'm doing is helping people find how predictable the future really is.
0: Right, which I think is the million dollar question. Sure, we'd all like to predict the future. Just taking a step back for a moment, Daniel, how did you learn all of this? What was, what was the genesis of your path into quote unquote becoming a futurist? Did you predict that you would become (laughs) a (laughs) futurist? Well, I started out
1: teaching biology and physics. So actually I've got a science background. Right. And I've started six companies over the years. uh, And they've done well. So I apply the principles. Five were profitable in the first year. Four were national leaders in the first year.
0: What do you mean by that, national leaders in the first
1: year? Uh, Well, uh, the first company I had uh, my own uh, airplane design. I was a test pilot. Uh, Ended up with 37 national locations in the first year.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, So in that category of aircraft, we were number one within 12 months, and I did that with uh, four of the companies. So I just don't write books. I actually do these things. Right. Um, You
0: execute. (laughs) I
1: execute, exactly. But I uh, sold all of those businesses years ago, except for my core company, which I've had for amazingly 35 years now. And uh, that's because I really was put on the planet to teach. I'm a teacher at heart. So even in this interview, I don't want to just tell people, I would like to teach them how to become anticipatory. Because right right now, we live in a reactionary world. We have all of this change coming to us faster and faster. And look at what technology is doing. We're doing things today that was impossible just two years ago. By the way, we'll be doing things two years from now that are impossible today. How'd you like to know what they are? Well, you can. I mean, you jokingly said a little while ago, why well, we would all like to be futurists. Right. Actually, you can, because that's the teacher in me. Okay. You see, there's no shortage of trends. The problems are which ones are going to happen. What I've done is come up with a way of separating all trends into one of two categories. Right. Either they're hard trends based on a future fact. They will happen. You can't stop them. The good news is you can see them coming before they happen, Hmm. giving you an advantage. You can see the disruption before it disrupts, allowing you to become the disruptor or the disrupted. You can see problems before you have them. So you can pre-solve them or just have them. And then the other kind of trend is a soft trend. And a soft Hmm. trend is based on an assumption, not a future fact, it might happen. Okay, let me give you a quick example sure. so yeah. try to make sense of this, right. and that is uh, let's take increasing health care costs in the United States. That's been going up, up, up for a long time, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's just going to keep going up forever. Is that a hard trend that is unstoppable, or is that a soft trend that you could reverse? And the reality mm-hmm. is, oh, you could you could change that. For example, you could use blockchain right now, blockchain technology within the healthcare ecosystem. And what you do is bring increased security, increased transparency, which gives you increased trust. And you could lower costs tremendously. Let's face it, when you're in a hospital, you don't know you're spending $30 for an aspirin. If you knew that, maybe you'd have your spouse bring it. So once we get rid of all of the non-transparency and we make Price is transparent, you'll have competition at a completely different level. Another quick example you could use virtualization with just purchasing logistics between hospitals. You don't realize that the knee that you have, if you need a new knee, mm-hmm. uh, is actually that same knee varies in price by thousands and thousands of dollars. The same knee. Right. Well, you don't know that. My point being, you can change that if you want to. If you think, It's unstoppable, you don't try. Actually, that's why healthcare reform has really so far been health payment reform. Didn't help you get a better knee, didn't help you get a better outcome. We're trying to figure out how do we pay for that big mess instead of, no, let's not have the big mess.
0: Okay. Let's change that. Okay. So, sort of, you know, when you're writing these books, and I'm curious, this is your seventh book. Are they all, you know, do they continue, Daniel? Or how do, you know, the anticipatory organization, the title struck me because I wasn't really sure to what that refers, which is great because it piqued my interest. When you say organization, are you talking about corporations are you talking about an individual? Uh, you know, to what to what does this apply? And do, does the narrative continue throughout each of your books or is this different from your last book?
1: Well, there's a couple of questions in there. Let me unpack sure. a few of those. Uh, <laughs> one of them is I'm really teaching what I call the missing competency. Right. Because right now you every took away company, one of my questions. That was another yeah.
0: one. You are a futurist. because right. You're reading I, my mind. Right. I read your <laughs> mind.
1: Every every company is really working on being agile. Okay. And that is how we're dealing with this digital disruption. Is to be more agile. There's agile innovation. Frankly, there's agile this, agile that. Right. And what I'm helping companies to understand is there's actually two sides to the strategy coin. Mm-hmm. Agile is one side and that is reacting quickly after a disruption disrupts. Reacting quickly after a problem occurs. However, in a world with exponential change, meaning change is faster every year, right. the benefit of reacting quickly after something happens is dropping exponentially faster. In other words, right. the value is not gonna be there going forward as it is even today.
0: So what is your recommendation there?
1: Go to the other side of the coin. Okay. And the other side of the strategy coin, again, you got agility on this side. The other side is being anticipatory. Right. How to use the hard and soft trends mm-hmm. to be able to anticipate a problem before you have it. So you can pre-solve it. Let's face it, how many times have the people that are watching this interview or even you said, I knew that was going to happen. Well, why'd you let it? You see, if you knew it was going to happen... Well, maybe it's not a
0: bad thing if it happened. You're saying, I knew it was going to happen in a negative way? Yeah. Okay, okay. Exactly.
1: And by the way, if you knew it was going to happen and it was positive, you want to make sure it happens.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right? So that's a strategy as well.
0: Okay, all right. You
1: see, really what this does, and the Pentagon is using this system, my hard-trend, soft-trend methodology. They've actually made this book required reading.
0: The Pentagon.
1: Oh, yeah, like, yeah. the
0: Pentagon. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm a strategic
1: wow. advisor to the Joint Chiefs and so on.
0: That's incredible. And,
1: uh, and, matter of fact, I'm the only non-military guy in the Pentagon's future uh, group and they've totally embraced this, and wow. uh, including the learning system that is part of this uh, book that you can get. Right,
0: so there is a learning system. Tell us more about that. Is that uh, a step-by-step, or you know, how does actually, that work? Actually,
1: uh, well, I'm happy to say it's already been a product of the year award winner, and it's been out for a couple of years now. Companies of all sizes are using it, and it's really, if you want to know how it works, the book will actually show you that because they're complementary to go with each other. And there are four elements to it. Mm -hmm. One of them is know what's next. By the way, that's exactly the first section in the book, as Mm -hmm. you know, because I know you've read it. I did. And uh, know what's next But helps. I didn't
0: know it was next. <laughs> In all honesty, I was trying right. to anticipate, but I had to read the book before I could do that. <laughs>
1: exactly, but now you can. Now I can. All right, so the first uh, of the four components to the learning system and the book is to know what's next. And all that's right. where you learn how to do the hard trends and soft trends. I also show you the three digital accelerators that give you the when will things happen. Mm-hmm. The second section of the book and the learning, se- uh, learning system is on innovation and how to transform innovation. Because now that you have the confidence that certainty provides, now you see the hard trends that are going to happen, the risk in not doing them is mm-hmm. greater than the risk in doing them. In other words, you can do an exponential innovation, a giant jump ahead with low risk, because it's going to happen anyway. Actually, one of the things I teach is if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. Right.
0: Well, it's it's interesting you say that. i interrupt you. But, you know, I I was just, I wanted to discuss some real life examples, Daniel. And you know, you mentioned this idea of, you talk about anticipating disruption, getting ahead of it. uh, And that's kind of the core of the nugget of the book. So when you think about a company like Uber, right, Airbnb, how, you know, what did cab companies do wrong? How come they didn't anticipate, you know, creating Uber? How come you mentioned hotel chains. How come they didn't anticipate Airbnb? What should they have done to get ahead of that? I really
1: am so glad you asked that because here's the biggest problem we've all got right now. Mm -hmm. We're all really busy. And today you can busy yourself right out of business. Why didn't the cab driver think of Uber? And they were too busy being cab drivers. Mm We're too busy doing what we always do. There's an old saying, if you do it, you've always done, you'll get what you've always had. Let me give you a new one. If you do it, you've always done, you'll get much less of what you've always had because technology is disrupting the whole thing. Right. So again, if you are just reactionary, if you're just agile, hey, you're going to have trouble in a world of exponential change. And a lot of people think it's all about being exponential but if you're going exponentially fast in the wrong direction, you'll get in trouble exponentially faster. Right. That's where you need this hard trend, soft trend ability so that you can separate the wheat from the chaff, the things of the future facts from the future ifs and maybes.
0: So is that what those companies did wrong? They, they were going off of assumptions, not future facts? I mean, to put it in your terms?
1: Yeah, a big assumption is present trends will continue. Right and present trends will not continue because technology lets us do things that were before impossible. I mentioned uh, hard trends. You know, this isn't that difficult. There's there's only three types. It's not that hard. One is technology. Mm -hmm. For example, will AI all of a sudden disappear and there's no AI anymore? No, it's gonna get in exponentially faster every year. Are Are we putting all this stuff in the cloud right now? Well, is the cloud getting full?
0: I always wonder that. No, the cloud's not getting what cold. Is gonna, we what have is plenty to burn up in and the start cloud. Raining, right.
1: And uh, will the next iPhone or other smartphone will it get smarter? And the answer is, of course, we know that. So technology is a category, and I'm giving it to you very basic now, which yeah. you can get it in more detail if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one, demographics, three categories. So we got 78 million baby boomers in this country. Predictably, they're going to get older. They're not going to get younger.
0: Right.
1: And we could create all kinds of visible opportunities from that. Let me give you one so yeah. we can make this real.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you give us a real life example of companies that are implementing your strategies?
1: Well, let's let everyone that's listening right now have the option of creating something easily right now that could make them a lot of money, something that doesn't exist.
0: Right.
1: Using the hard trend of demographics, aging population. Okay. How about a smartwatch for seniors? And this smartwatch does not exist right now. And it's for 80-year-olds and older. Mm -hmm. Now you'd say, well, they're not gonna buy a smartwatch. Now I'd say, of course they're not. You're gonna buy it for them. And why would you buy it for them? Well, all of those smartwatches have a little accelerometer and a little movement, it detects movement. If 90-year-old, your 90-year-old grandma, if her watch moves four or five feet rapidly, Uh what happened to grandma? Well, she probably fell. Now, does grandma need the watch to say, you fell? No, she's on the floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who needs to know that? You do if it's your grandma. Right. And let's mm-hmm. say grandpa gets lost when he's taking uh, walks. Well, what does he do? He asks his watch, how do I get home? And it tells him because it's got a voice interface, kind of like Alexa. Uh, where is grandpa anyway? I can see him on my phone. He's walking right there. In other words, that watch will exist. And if you don't do it, someone else will. Mm-hmm. By the way, stick around. You'll be seeing a watch like Are that.
0: Are you doing it? Is it? <laughs> have you well, already trademarked it? <laughs> I,
1: I have started enough companies. If somebody else right. doesn't, I will. C-Suite Radio.
0: I mean, we've barely scratched the surface, Daniel. It's fascinating material, um, a book we've never, you know, a subject matter we've never had on before. I always like to know, you know, you've been doing this many years, you've become an expert in the field. Looking back, what do you know now that you wish you would have known then? I mean, I assume the genesis of your work has been a learning process. Uh, You know, mistakes you've made, things you didn't anticipate, that you you know you later learned how to anticipate. Tell us tell us kind of looking back what you, what you'd like to tell the viewers that you wish you would have known.
1: Well, I think uh, when I started uh, this company and I what I did and that was in 1983, which is technically the dark ages. Right. I wow. 83. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. Many people were not even around in 83. <laughs> what
0: was that like? Exactly. <laughs>
1: well, it was DOS, and mm-hmm. you weren't even the Mac was coming out that year. Right. The first Macintosh with the user interface. And I had uh, taken uh, a year to do research and came up with what I called the 20 core technologies. By the way, digital was on there. Artificial intelligence was on there. Genetic engineering was on there. Fiber optics was on there. Solar was on there. Actually, that was the list in 1983. And I said, these 20 technologies will be the drivers of economic growth in an exponential way for decades and decades to come. And if you look at my 1993 book, Techno Trends, mm-hmm. you can see in there a little section called Blockbuster is Busted. If you've got it, take a look. You can see it in the chapter. And right after that, you'll see a description of what came to be Netflix and when it would happen. Wow. You'll see social media in there. You'll see the iPhone in there. That was in 1993. That's amazing. Now, I didn't know they'd call it the iPhone. Right. Now, am I the only guy that can do this? Well, now, the reason I'm writing books, the reason I give speeches and consult is you can learn to do this is is not that hard. It is doable. That's why I'm hoping people go and pick up the anticipatory organization and buy this book.
0: And with that that thought, when you say people, who is the book for?
1: Well, um, for me, it's been uh, usually managers, leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, people that uh, would like to either uh, stop being a crisis manager of their life and just uh, let the future happen. What I would like us to do is actively shape the future rather than passively receive it. Okay. For people that would like to see the opportunities, because right now we see the problems. Let's face it, bad news sells, good news doesn't sell. And if there's no bad news, they give you the anniversary bad news. True. But that creates a fog keeping you from seeing the amazing opportunity that's right in front of every single person right now today. What I'd like you to do is to blow away the fog, watch a little less news, and start getting the news you really need, and that is seeing those hard trends, as solid as a mountain that that fog is hiding. And those hard trends are giving us the ability ability to reinvent and redefine every product, every service. I'll give you a prediction right now. Kay. Stick around, you'll see this will happen. Kay. In the next five years, we're going to transform. I didn't say change. I said transform every business process. How we sell, how we market, how we communicate, how we collaborate, how we innovate, how we train, how we educate, whole shoot and match. Now, here's the hard trend to show you the difference. Mm-hmm. The hard trend is the tools are there to transform them right now. Right. That will happen. Here's the soft trend. Will your company use those tools to transform your business processes? I don't know, that's soft. That's up to you. But you could do something about that, couldn't you? I could. And that's exactly the power of a soft trend.
0: Right, but you, you got to be careful about those assumptions.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I could assume that you're going to do that in your company, right. but you may not. But right. the thing is, it can be done. Others will. If you don't, you're falling behind.
0: Well, time will tell. But what's fascinating, Daniel, is that, like you mentioned, this can be used in a personal capacity and a professional Capacity. Uh, it's not one size fits all, and it's applicable to so many uh, parts of your life: C-suite, you know, organizational, personal. Uh, really interesting stuff. And and we shall see. You said five years, right, on these new trends. So how well, about you come back all in five years? Right now, it's happening <laughs> we'll, right we'll before see. our eyes. We'll yes, see. Exactly. Uh, We're out of time, but congratulations. Um, it's a unique read, and uh, can't wait to see what happens next in the eighth the eighth book. Thanks right, for being here, Daniel. Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, c c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV.
1: You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.